This week's guest, Tate Seymour of Greenlight Capital, he's a heavy hitter with a lot to offer our listeners. So we broke this interview down into two parts. We did not want to cut him off. We wanted you to get it all. This episode, Tate talks about how he got started in real estate, from moving out to Ohio, then to Utah as a wedding photographer. He talks about mentorships and what really helped him to blast off his career. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is your coach Ian Brown. A few announcements, Yield Coach Capital has opened its doors to investors looking to multiply their money while working with yours truly and our varsity investment team. We recently closed our 170 acre Gainesville, Florida industrial track and our limited partner investors are on pace to make two and a half times or more on their money. That opportunity is gone, but don't miss the next one. Be sure to join our investor list and never miss a deal again. You can join our investor list by the portal, which is in the show notes of this podcast. It's in our Instagram bio link, and you can also do it at yield-coach.com. If you join our investor list, we will get you the free gift, 107 questions to ask a deal sponsor, and a discount to our employee to entrepreneur video course, which is packed full of information and case studies to kickstart your investment success. Now is your time to take the field. I'm your host, Ian Brown. Every episode, we bring you dynamic entrepreneurs, real estate investors, thought leaders, and inspirational guests ready to open up, share their story, the good, the bad, the ugly, so you can learn lessons, gain advantages, and accelerate your own success. Very excited today. I'm to be joined by Mr. Tate Seamer. I'm going to give you a few things on him, but he's a, he's a powerhouse. He's the managing partner at Greenlight Equity Group with approximately 600 units and $60 million under management. He's the host of an industry-leading multifamily podcast, The Apartment Gurus. He's also the coach and creator of the Multifamily Octane Coaching Mastermind. Very excited to have Mr. Tate Seymour on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Ian. It's awesome to be here. I'm super excited for this. So I kind of hinted at it before we hit record, but you know, you've been a um, you've been an inspiration for me and kind of watching what you've done. Um, I was on your show probably a year ago. And yeah. um, I, I think from that moment, I just stayed just a little more in contact, whether you know it or not, you know, uh, a little bit of online stalking, but definitely listening to your podcast. And I feel like I'm kind of been like growing with you and I'm excited cool. to hear all that you're up to, your upcoming goals. Can't wait to hear about, you know, your new mastermind. So definitely welcome to the show. And for the, you know, for the audience, you know, Tate's podcast is really strong for, especially if you have a multifamily focus and it's the apartment gurus, form, formerly the apartment guys, um, yeah. but apartment gurus. So um, anyways, I, I'm going to kick it over to Tate for a little bit of background. I realize the audience doesn't all know you. So yeah. give us uh, give us some strokes here. Give us the background okay. on Tate. You bet. Well, first of all, just thanks for your kind words and, uh, you know, you're what, 50, 60 episodes into your podcast venture here and which is you know that's so legit and and you know so few podcasts even get to that point but um you'll find i think if you haven't already ian that hearing stuff like what you just said makes it, it makes the adventure so much more gratifying and fulfilling um to hear that you made a difference and and we're some sort of inspiration um, to, uh, you know, and, and for you to say that you, you know, you kind of been following me since you were on my podcast. 
uh, and getting inspiration from that. It just, you know, sometimes you feel a little bit like you're doing this in a vacuum, you know, and, and, uh, but the, the, you know, the feedback is, is so meaningful. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's true. I mean, I feel like there's, um, there's some people you just click with. And I think you have a, um, I think you have an honesty, a transparency and authenticity at times of vulnerability. And, uh, no, it just, it resonates with me and I know not everybody's equal, but, um, yeah. I'm a fan, I'm in your audience and, uh, Thanks, man. and you're an inspirational guy. Um, Thank I will you say, so the, much. uh, yeah. And you know, the first time I heard you actually, um, and how I ended up tracking you down in your company, Greenlight Equity, and even, even considering now looking back, it was probably almost audacious to ask to be on your show, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so yeah, you know, right. I heard, <laughs> I heard you on bigger pockets, which probably feels like a distant memory now. I don't know how long ago you recorded that episode, but, um, you crushed it. You were awesome. You were, you were such a good guest in my opinion that, you know, I actually, what I'll do is I'll text myself or I'll forward myself messages because I'm usually driving while I, while I listen to Mm. podcasts. And I remember, I remember like texting, make sure you go to greenlightequity.com if if that's still your website and Mm. and just check things out, check out Tate's platform. And um, in that interview, you know, you talked about a lot, a lot of stuff, but you talked about your, your long history of flipping single family houses. And, um, and it's funny because the first deal that I did, it was commercially zoned, but it was still a flip. It was a flip of a home on commercially zoned land. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, I can either, if I can't sell it, I could lease it to like a plumber, electrician, whatever. It had a little bit of excess land. I could sell it commercial or I could sell it residential because it was a legal um, residence as well. Anyways, enough about that deal. But I remember hearing you talk about all these flips and I was like, it was right at a time where I was pretty much committed to not doing any more single family. And so kicking it over to you, you know, I kind of know some of these answers, but for the audience, a little bit about like that path of flipping single family and kind of your epiphany to say, no more of that. I'm going into the bigger multifamily space. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's an awesome place to start. And, um, I guess just a just a real quick thumbnail backstory. Uh, I I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I I grew up out in the suburbs and you know played soccer and lived on a cul-de-sac and kind of did the Midwest suburban thing uh, for all the way through high school. And then I went to college in Ohio. And then when I was 26, after college, I got a, a real wild hair that turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, which was to move out west. And it chase a dream to ski in the Rockies somewhere. I didn't know where at the time, but ended up picking Salt Lake City uh, for a few reasons, but mainly the snow quality and the season length that we have here uh, in the ski season. And you know, 23 years later, I'm uh, still a really, really avid skier. But the first 10 years I was here, I was uh, actually a professional ski photographer and started my own business doing wedding photography and portrait photography. So that was kind of my trade. And what I found, you know, five years into it, even maybe three, four years into it, was that, you know, it was was one of my first, it, it, it was my first true solopreneur venture. And with something like photography, you're the product, right? Like people call you and hire you because they want you. And that makes it very difficult to scale at any level and kind of leverage the business. And, and so I found that I was, and this is a very competitive market, you know, Utah is very family oriented and there's lots and lots of weddings and lots of photographers. And, uh, and so I, I just found that I 
wasn't getting to the lifestyle that I wanted to get to through that business. I love doing it, but um, I, and, and, and just by r- real random chance had a conversation with a friend of a friend, a guy I still don't know very well uh, and am not in contact with, but he was in a, this was 2006, right? So this is pre-internet online education obviously the internet was around but as far as like the all the the wealth of self-education that you can get online now just what didn't exist and he was in a he was in a class a, a basically an entry-level investing class uh about 45 minutes away byu area and he told me he was flipping a triplex and for me that was like such a cool concept and like something I never thought about before. I I really hadn't ever thought about real estate as a career, um, realtor or single family. I certainly never thought about commercial, like this stuff just never hit my radar. And when he told and he actually showed me, we went over to the the property and he showed it to me and uh, we went inside and everything. And, and I immediately joined that class and learned from, uh, a guru here in Utah, uh, and basically learned how to flip houses and, and, you know, buy and hold houses, single families, right. It was, um, very, like I said, entry-level basic investing. And back then, you know, houses in Utah were selling for a hundred thousand, hundred twenty five, hundred fifty thousand dollars for a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And you know, now we're five, six times that. Right. But, um, which is, such a right there is a takeaway for your listeners. Like they buy real estate and wait, right? It's just it it seems to always work, especially in a high growth market like Utah. And the last five years here have been absolutely insane. But um, so yeah, I I eventually that was 06. I got my real estate license and uh and worked with other investors and basically just kind of worked the investing scene and flipped a handful of my own houses and then the crash happened and all of the funding sources that we had been using went away you know the the no doc low doc kind of you know, riskier loans that we were able to get and, and use to flip houses um and and I was like I never really hit a stride with that anyway like even that you know even coming from photography I still experienced both the investing side, the flipping and the realtor side as, uh, is a grind. And, you know, working when you're, when you're flipping a house, whether you're making 15,000 or 50,000 or 150,000 on a you know, profit at the end of the day, it's still number one, a paycheck. Uh, it's a one-time transactional deal and it's one off, right? So you're, you're, you're producing a paycheck and that's it. You're not building, the next stage of your business. Uh, of course you're getting skill sets and experience, but, uh, and in number two, it's risky. Like you, you'll, you, you, you can't ever take risk out of, uh, real estate investing in general, but in the single family space, amongst other things, you're subject to an appraiser's opinion of your value at the end of the day. And when you do, you know, we did, I've probably done 50, single family deals somewhere in there, you get burned by appraisers. Like if you do enough deals um, and they can blow up your profit. Um, and so you end up 
working for in a lot in some cases like you know a good flipper is gonna probably lose money on five to ten percent of of the deals like i had a, a, a one of the most successful flippers here in utah that i know told me one time he's like tate i've lost money on 40 deals but i've made money on 400 deals mm-hmm. so and and this guy's good like he and he's a hard money lender i mean he's 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 very well resourced so um so anyway in 2011 i teamed up with my former photography boss who's now my current business partner his name's carl york and we're best friends and and have worked together for a long time in different businesses and we started flipping hard and heavy in 2011 and basically just kind of you know again like the the thought leadership stuff the podcasting just wasn't really in your face you, you know if you sought it out and you know, i think bigger pockets was probably around back then or getting started but um if so if you if you knew of it or sought it out you'd find it but it wasn't like today where there's real estate investor associations everywhere and facebook ads for all the seminars you can go webinars you can go to and so we just didn't have a really great business model or strategy for what we were doing. And for better or for worse, what we did have was about a half million dollars in credit lines uh, against rental properties that we owned. And, uh, and and then we had you know full-time availability to do these flips. And so what we did ended up doing was throwing all of our own money into these deals uh you know if we had it we we sank it into a deal and then sank all of our own time into the deals and and basically did it as fast as we could but we never leveraged right we never developed you know a staff or even a project manager systems and processes to on the business level or on the execution level on the construction side so needless to say it just got that ended up running its course and even towards the end, we were doing million dollar houses that were gorgeous. And, uh, you know, even, but even that same thing, you know, one-off transactional risky, et cetera. So, um, so I, I, I forget exactly how I ended up connecting with the Utah real estate investor association out here, but I started going to monthly meetings. Uh, and this was five and a half, six years ago. Uh, with these these investor association meetings, right? And and I went to one, and the billing for the speaker for the night was Adam AAA Adams, and I'm like, who the heck calls themselves Adam AAA Adams? Like, <laughs> even if your name's Adam Adams, how do you call yourself AAA? This must be the most cocky <laughs> guy in the world. Turns out, long, r- very long story short, Adam is now one of my best best friends. He produces my podcast. He has a company that does that. And uh, he's one of the most authentic, humble guys I know. And and to the I mean, that he came and gave a talk that night that just changed my life because it was the first time that I ever had somebody look at me and say, you can invest in apartment buildings. You can invest in multifamily commercial. And the way he he's so like just engaging and genuine that you believe him when he says something like that to you. So it was a huge, like that mindset shift right there is kind of like the key one for anybody to move from one space to the other is just getting your head around that it's possible. 
and kind of catching a vision for it. Uh, so, so it, basically, uh, you know, I started looking at all of the, at that point it was like, okay, game on YouTube, Facebook stuff, Facebook connections, LinkedIn, yeah, everything I could get my hands on. And we actually had a 12 unit uh, apartment building kind of fall in our lap. It was our first, our first commercial deal right about that time from a wholesaler that we had done other deal deals with. And uh, he brought this to us and said, I think you guys should do this deal. And when we actually sat down and underwrote it and which was a, kind of a new thing for us because single family, you can do back of the napkin real easily and not ever get sophisticated with underwriting with multifamily, you have to have some skills. So, you know, diving into that was such a revelation for us because all of a sudden we're dealing with income and cash flow and rentals, you know, rent income and, and, um, you know, leverage and, you know, efficiencies of scale and it, it, all the advantages, tax, the tax advantages of, of multifamily. Like we just, it was this like huge light bulb, light bulb moment. Carl looked at me at one point in a meeting and he's like, dude, can you shoot a hole in this deal that we're looking at right now? This 12 unit. I'm like, no, dude, like th this is, th this is very different than anything that we've ever looked at before. And, uh, we ended up doing that deal and 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 then I I joined a coaching mastermind with the big kahuna Corey Peterson and that was our launch into large scale multifamily. So I I know I just kind of shared a whole lot uh and you know a, a backstory but uh and I'm happy to share more about kind of the mindset transition mm -hmm. that I think it takes to to uh to, you know to make the jump. Uh but man it's the best thing we ever did and I I went from being a job site guy, you know, pushing a broom sometimes, like getting getting properties ready to show and sell and meeting, you know, meeting buyers and I went from that sort of work to just being in love with the whole multifamily space and game uh as far as uh, especially on the acquisition side. So um yeah, that and that's kind of been our superpowers is finding and executing good deals. Uh, capital raising was very new to us because we never raised capital for single family. Uh, so, you know, we've been working hard on our capital raising game for the last few years, but um, our, our superpowers is really the broker relations side and sourcing good deals. Right. Well, you gave you gave me a lot, Tate. I got to kind of pick <laughs> a little bit, but um, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. And um, you know, a couple of things. So, on the single family, you you mentioned. Well, it came to me at the very end. Two people or two moments in your life. So, you're a photographer that had never really considered real estate, and then you hear about like a triplex flip. You're like, boom! What's that? Next thing you know, you're in a course or a coaching. You're learning. Fast forward, yep. you're like, okay, this is this is cool and all, um, but it's still a grind. You know, I'm like you said, I'm working or staging or project managing, and you got and it sounds like you're coordinating the transaction the purchase, yep. the debt, everything. So then you're like, man, this isn't a whole lot better. And then almost just like it happened with the triplex, you're introduced to, you know, triple A. And, um, and it's like, okay, all of a sudden you've got, again, another human being. I'm yep. kind of, what I'm kind of getting at is like the power of like influence, mentors, coaching that, that world. We as humans, like we can't really get out of our own head as easy. I mean, how are we supposed to have thoughts, you know, that we've never had before with no stimulus right. and no input. I just, it's like not mm -hmm. how we work. Um, 
you know, if you go to a third world country, they have no idea of like, you know, sitting in air conditioning, scrolling an iPad, it, it's never even yep. presented to them. So it's like sure. a, a lot of this, and that's partly why I, I'm naturally very low judgment. I always have been. I just, I'm, I'm a fan of people and humanity. I love that. For, for, that's for cool. That's, that's a great way to describe yourself. I love that. Thank you. And it's part of why I like having this show is I authentically like getting to know people. And so, yeah. um, but I think by keeping judgment, one reason why I keep judgment low is for that very reason. Like, why be any more judgmental of someone who's a photographer or someone who's flipping a triplex or someone who has 600 units? It's a matter mm -hmm. of like uh, influence, mentorship, execution, not to take anything away from you, but we're all at different stages and we all had mm -hmm. people like bestow, you know, it's this is kind of a Christian notion, but time, talent, treasure. Mm -hmm. Somebody put those things into you, you know, if you were, if you were cared for. And, uh, and so I'm not very, I try to stay very open-minded and not judgmental, but but my point, my point with all that is like, you know, you have these great influences. And the next thing you know, you're in this big space that probably feels like unimaginable mm -hmm. from the days of doing like wedding photography. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah. You don't know what you don't know when you when you make quantum leaps and especially in the business world, like you just I I had no idea what options were possible. Right. Like and you're right from stage to stage to stage. So photography to single family to realtor to uh to small multi we did some building some land deals and a few things outside of single family too but um to multifamily, it's it, it, you really don't know what the next it's like reading a book you you really don't know what the next chapter holds or what's even possible in the next chapter and uh so you know kind of part of my mission now is is just to be an evangelist about this business and and the opportunity here um, and then, you know, bigger picture, be an evangelist about self-actualization and becoming the best version of yourself is kind of like, you know, the, my core message for the planet, if you will. And, and I think that this avenue that we're in, uh, you know, this entrepreneurial space that we're in and in particular commercial multifamily, uh, and I'll, I'll speak in a second to why, why I think it's unique, but it, it is an opportunity to step into the next best, highest version of yourself. Right. And, and that's where, it, and, and that never happens in the comfort zone that happens on the edge when you're pushing the edge and doing new things. And in fact, you're going to be out of your comfort zone. And the, if, if having life in balance all the time, every moment is important to you, probably being an entrepreneur, isn't a good avenue because there's times that you got to really push it and, and push you, right? Like I just finished a three, uh, actually a 36 hour fast last night. It was first one I've ever done. And the mindset thing, it's, it, first of all, is it, I mean, there were like maybe three moments of like pretty profound physical hunger, but it was all my, it was basically all mental. It was a, such a mental game and like, you know, becoming masterful in that mindset space is, 80 90 percent of the work in my opinion over, over the long haul and of course this is very hard work and i'm sure you put in tons of hours this is my my one and only business and I, I absolutely love it and so it's my baby i don't have kids or a wife right now so um you know like I, it's it's everything in my space um but yeah i mean and then just to circle back on your point about mentorship and key people along the way um, whether they're paid mentors or 
or, you know, people that kind of show up at the right time, uh, like Adam did for me, he eventually became some, I joined his mastermind and, um, which was free, but I was in, I was in Corey's paid coaching mastermind really from the, the first early days of us looking at apartments and just can't, you know, just to kind of accentuate your point Ian, like you can't overstate the power of that sort of relationship. Um, what Corey did for us. And, and by the way, this was pre COVID. This was actually a year, uh, two years pre COVID. Nobody had heard of zoom meetings. Uh, webinars were still not a huge thing and podcasts were out there in full force. Corey had a podcast and he was the one that pushed me to start my podcast. But uh, we just met in person in Phoenix like three times a year. That was the kind of the core of the mastermind. And what he did for us was he, amongst other things, he was willing to partner with Carl and me on deals, which allowed us to put him in our credibility kit or our company profile kit, which is like a six pager PDF that we have printed as well, that basically professionally designed logos, colors, strategy, portfolio, team members, right? So when you're starting out, you don't have portfolio or maybe even team members. So having somebody like Corey that was coaching me, going through deals with me and and holding my hand on the on the education side, to have him willing to step into a deal. We actually never did a deal with him, but the confidence that he gave us to go out and start talking to brokers and creating deal flow uh, was huge. And, and so if you're, if you are connecting with, and look, what you get, what you pay for in life, in a, at least in a lot of situations. And I, I really believe in the paid coaching or paid mastermind model because the skin in the game thing, amongst other things, is massive. And and guess what? When you pay a coach, a high ticket coach to coach you for a year, his or her skin is in the game, right? Like there's a, there's a commitment level and a engagement level that you're not going to get if you don't pay for it, quite frankly, even, even in the best, most generous persons, like if they're really successful, they don't have time, right? Like they, they literally can't afford to do what, they can do in a, in a more of a formal, you know, paid situation. So Corey's mastermind was huge. I think we were only in it for about a year. Um, I joined Tim Brott's mastermind. We were in that for two years or roughly. And, and that was great. It wasn't multifamily specific or even real estate specific. Uh, he's, he's a multifamily guy, but, uh, it, it was just a really good network and we got a lot out of that. Uh, currently a, a member of Raise Masters, which is a capital raising mastermind uh, by a guru named Hunter Thompson. And I have no official affiliation. Yeah, there you go. There's your mug, Ian. Nice. I, mug. I was I'm using in, my baby. mug, this Raise Masters mug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I could be a, such a passionate salesperson for Raise Masters. Like, I, like, again, no official affiliation other than being a member uh, but the value there for, you know, 15, 20,000, whatever he's charging now um, is you, you should be, you know, there's 430 plus members of Raise Masters, a, a huge percentage of which are all raising capital. 
for deals, for commercial deals. And most of them are in the multifamily space and certainly Hunter is. So that's a powerful Slack channel, right? Like you put, you put something on the Raise Masters Slack channel and you get 430 eyes on it. Like you can get a lot done. That's, it's really powerful. Plus there's daily coaching calls. Plus there's a, you know, online video curriculum. That's hundreds of hours of deep dive, dense stuff on being a great capital raiser. Um, and I've had a, you know, I've had a paid life coach over the last three years. Um, I, I hate, I kind of hate the term life coach just cause it's so generic. He's more of a like performance. He, he coaches like high level entrepreneurs, athletes, just in his words, champions. <laughs> like that's what he's all about. Uh, you know, just coaching really high level people. And he's been transformative for me and at all levels of my life. So for me, like, you know, that's this, that is, is not a secret sauce. It's at all. It's not secret at all. It's just a key, key ingredient, at least in my path to have had these, uh, these mentors and coaches along the way. Um, and I found that the more, the more I pay for them, like, you know, I've already like 20 X the investment in raise masters in six months. Like I found a joint venture partner to do an $18 million, uh, luxury loft conversion in Columbus, Ohio, uh, through the raise masters group. It's they're not in the raise masters group. It was a referral, right. But they're basically doing all of the equity on this deal. Like it's, it, it is an incredible connection and relationship. And we're, we're hoping to do lots of deals with these guys. And, uh, and that's, that's just it. Your network is your net worth, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so true. It's so, so true. And this, and I'll just say this one last thing here is if you like people like you do Ian, and you really, you know, you're humble and non-judgmental and, and therefore you create a, a, a space that's safe for people to like be with and kind of communicate into, um, and it, that just makes you really good at relationships, right? Because you're just a connector and that it, it, like, if there was, if there's one kind of like superpower or inherent quality that I think just naturally lines up perfectly with this business, it's that liking people wanting to like, like really enrich your network and more importantly, importantly, make it a big impact on your network and, and come from a place of, of adding value and the whole go-giver concept. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, if you like people and you like, if you're good at relationships, you're good at communication and, you know, pro tip, like get really good at making people feel good about themselves. Like mm -hmm. it seems really obvious, but like how, how many of us actually consciously do that? Number one, and when was the last time somebody like, you know, really like you did this for me this morning, Ian, but like, you know, like it's not, it's, it's, that's something that doesn't happen all day, every day in, in the human race. And, uh, and it is such an in, like engaging, powerful, uh, tactic to, to just be somebody that is like an authentic uplifter, uh, that mirrors people's best qualities back to them that is super that's, that's magical stuff right there and one thing and, and there's you said a lot of great stuff so i'm not going to dive into every every bit of it um 
as you move up the asset ladder, you have to, you don't have to, but I think 99% of the people, it becomes a team sport. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could be a one-off house flipper with the GC that you trust, which is, I know not quite how you did it. You were even more involved, but you could just be lining up hard money, buying houses, but foreclosure, wholesalers, whatever, flipping, moving on, can't 1031 because you haven't had it for a year and away you go, chase your tail. As you move up, who that you know, I mean, almost nobody is out there taking down over 50, 80, 100 unit, 200 unit deals alone. I'm not saying there's nobody, but even if they are alone, they're actually, they have people on payroll. Like they, they might, they might Mm -hmm. not be actually in the team or in the GP, but I mean, no one does this alone. And I think that's what drew me to, I'm not where you are. I'm kind of like on my way, but Mm -hmm. I've got an 83 unit that we've had for five years with a mountain of equity. And I did that deal with a good friend and partner. I would do deals with him all day long. Um, Mm -hmm. And we just closed on a, actually since joining Raise Masters, kind of unrelated to that, but we closed our first 506C, raised a million um, in LP funds. We bought a nice. Thank you. Bought 170 Congrats. acres of industrial land outside of Gainesville, Florida, and my wow. partner on that deal is the top industrial. I mean, he's a good friend too, but my partner is the top industrial broker for Northeast Florida. So, mm, wow, I feel good about that. Really, really good basis on the land, and our investors will do well. Um, but I like it so much. Could I do smaller deals in my backyard and possibly make similar money? Let's just say, for argument's sake, maybe. Yes, I could. But my God, you're scattered, you're alone, you have no one to share your wins and losses with, you have no one to like bounce ideas off of. I mean, I'm married with children, but I don't need to be bouncing my ideas on, you know, value add business strategies for apartments off my kids. And and my wife's right. a criminal defense attorney. So um, mm-hmm. love her to death, but she, you know, her input, you know, has to come with a hedge. So yeah. I love moving to where you can treat it like a team sport and to dovetail on all you said about, you know, paid mentorship and coaching and it, you if you're going to put together this team it really is it's a full-blown business you know what i mean like you call yourself an oh, entrepreneur yeah. Yeah. part of being an entrepreneur is is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and just being i mean in my opinion you really need to stare yourself in the mirror and be like what do i like what do i dislike what what comes easy work hard at what comes easy i always like that yep. expression yep. double down yeah. on your superpowers yep yeah and so like if i'm working hard at what comes easy and doubling down on superpowers I need to make sure I'm also cutting off the things that are reasonable hourly tasks that somebody else can do. And I think what stops a lot of entrepreneurs is the control, because there are a lot of, just to say it in a slang way, a lot of control freaks in the, like the business and entrepreneurial space. And like, maybe they can't, maybe they rose up with like high control, but they're like on the edge of burnout and they're finally making it. Well, it's a big shift for that guy or gal to stop yeah. being a control freak right as they're kind of making it because they're never going to scale to whatever's next without letting go. You're going to have to let go of yeah. a whole whole part of that stack of, of things you need to do and just have faith, yeah. empower these people to get their job done. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're one of those people that Ian was just referring to and you have, or at least have a little bit of that in your space, read who, not how, uh, which is, um, is that, uh, oh, the author's Dan name. Sullivan. I, Dan Sullivan, thank you. And Benjamin yeah. Hardy, I think, r- mm-hmm. helped him write that. Um, and, y- y- you know, the, the concept is that your answers when you're, sca- especially when you're growing and scaling are in other people, right? They're, I mean, systems and processes are important, but 
the the quality and caliber and cultural fit and everything else of the people that you're surrounding yourself with, you know, either as either as employees or partners or co GP or whatever those look like, like that is a heavy, heavy determiner of where you're going to be able to go. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just share this one again, kind of like quick little story pro tip. We, when we did our second deal that we did was a 20 unit. And it was also here in Utah. We only did two deals in Utah before we started buying out of state. But um, we, when we were putting that deal together, when we were under contract and doing due diligence, I had known uh, this uh, basically tycoon. You know, he's forty-ish years old, and at at the time, this was four years ago, roughly. He had a you know a hundred and $50 million portfolio or something somewhere in there. And obviously had plenty of net worth and liquidity. We, I, I didn't know him well, but I knew that we would be better with him on our GP um, being our second deal. And just, it was a heavy, heavy value lift, heavy construction. Um, and so we just, we offered him a position on the GP for nothing, uh, not nothing, but basically to be an advisory partner to kind of look over our shoulder, make sure that we weren't making any critical errors and to help out. And long story short, we've done, I think five or six deals with this guy. He's invested a lot, hundreds and hundreds of thousands in our deals. He's also raised capital for our deals through his network. Uh, and he's sponsored five, six loans for us. Uh, so, and that started with, just adding value to him, right? Like I think we offered him seven or 8% of the GP uh, in the, in that 20 unit deal. Um, and you know, that was worth a fair amount of money to him. And then he ended up coming in as an investor and a sponsor and, and got quite a bit of the GP uh, from that. But, you know, that's a, a total who, not how kind of, you know, sketch, if you will. And it's a great, great way to build your business. Uh, in my opinion, you know, think about somebody high level. That's like where you want to be in two years, three years, go obviously meet them, get to know them, and then start figuring out how you can really add value to that person. Not just showing up at lunch and saying, so how can I help you? Right? Like, Go get a deal and, and bring them into the deal and make them you know, six figures over the course of a few years, that's adding value. And that's building a, a relationship that is going to have legs and is going to, you know, they'll be very interested in, in basically being essentially part of your team. So, you know, one of the best things we ever did um, was, was, was bringing him on into that deal for sure. I think, um, was it yesterday in the past two days I was asked, um, you know, about getting into investment and, you know, what do you do? And it was just a complete newbie type question, super wide open general. And I just wanted to give kind of a wide open answer. And it's funny you mentioned that. I was like, you know what, to say it plainly, because it's not somebody who even understands like what we're, what we're talking about. Yeah. So to say it plainly, if you don't have money, which is most people, like most people mm -hmm. don't have the money to be multiplying money. Most, yep. if you don't have money, you need to commit to developing a skill. You know, right. and skill development can be free or cheap, you know, and then with that skill, 
you're essentially going to be like trading that skill, you know, not to go back to that time, talent, treasure thing, but you're going to be leveraging like your human capital into a deal. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think you, what made me think of it is when you said find a deal, because I do think if you're going to, I think the most powerful skill, at least it's what I think as I sit here right now, other than just having a mountain of money and sitting back and being like an advisory LP type, which is, I know a lot of people's end goal. Um, yeah. It's just be put, have a thick callous skin, know the deal criteria that your you know, like your dream client or investor wants and be willing to go out there and beat the bushes and handle yeah. the nose and handle the objections and track down a deal. You will be. Yeah. And then my other advice for those that are in that bucket, know that you actually have a, like a golden object at that time. I think it'd be easy to doubt yourself because you maybe quote unquote came from nothing and no money and developed this skill and found a deal. B that's your chance to be a little bit, I hate to use the word greedy, but you need to be a little bit self-interested at that time because you have mm -hmm. a golden goose if you find that deal for that investor. And, mm -hmm. you know, shoulder up and be ready and try and, and try and keep a, you know, a meaningful interest. And that can be your soiree. That can be your way yeah. in. Yeah. And yeah, you know, another little piece on that is on the first, the, fir the, the most important thing about the first deal is getting it done, getting it closed, right? So you, you got to kind of be in whatever it takes mode on the first deal. It's different when you get into subsequent deals, but the first one's the hardest one to do. Michael Blanc talks about the law of the first deal. It is almost invariably for everybody, like the hardest deal you'll ever do because you've never done it before. And there's tons of moving parts, especially when you're syndicating, raising capital. Uh, you're, you become a marketing machine. Uh, you, you become an investor relations machine. You, you become a due diligence. Like it, there's contract to close is intense. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of moving parts. And you just want to make sure that number one, you get the deal closed and that you don't make any really important mistakes along the way, critical mistakes. And having somebody in your corner, whether that's, you know, a, a, another GP, a coach, um, or, or, or uh, you know, a, a powerful mastermind with lots and lots of like high level experts in it, those, all three of those can serve very well to ensuring that all those things happen on your first deal. Um, and, and you're, but you're so right about like, if, if you've got a legit deal that pencils well, that's going to provide good returns to invest to passive investors and uh, it's in a good market and, you know, it's a good vintage and decent amenities. Like you've got something there. Like, and there's really two, two points of value in this business. It's finding deals and finding dollars. Right. And so, well said. yeah. So like, and I got, I can't claim that one. That's, uh, that's Lance Edwards, uh, his languaging, but, and by the way, uh, free plug for Lance, his, he wrote a book called, uh, how to make big money in small apartments. And I listened to that like five years ago. And it was like my first deep dive into the mechanics of this business. And, it's not even, he even says, it's, this isn't really about small apartments. It's about all apartments. But he said, if I named this, how to make big money in big apartments, nobody would buy the book because you can't get your head around that I can do big apartments when I'm starting from single family or even from, from not being in real estate. So anyway, that's kind of a marketing ploy, but like, that's a great book, a great audio book, especially because he reads it. He's got a thick te Texas accent. He talks about his business and, and uh, like, he's, he's just, he's a fun guy, but um, so, you know, people looking for a resource there, kind of at what it's like to be the, the lead 
uh, sponsor or the lead GP or, you know, basically the, the, the deal producer, if you will. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good deep dive. There, there's definitely others as well. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 it it's just, um, again, that, that the network is your net worth thing. I, back to your point too, on the solopreneur, like I would say, if you, if you really, you know, feel like in your heart of hearts that you are a solopreneur or would thrive as a solopreneur, there are some fantastic business models out there. Uh, that don't require you to be in a, a team sport situation. Um, I would say almost even, I would state it almost a little more st- strongly than you that like, I, I actually don't know anybody that buys apartments on their own and, you know, does this business on their own asset management, due diligence, investor relations. There, it's just a lot like to do all those things well there's just literally literally not enough time in the day for one person to do it. And it's, it's a ton. So I've, I've been saying that for, you know, ever since I learned it, which this is such a team sport and the bigger and badder your team, the more options you're going to have down the road to get, get bigger, badder deals done. Mm -hmm. And that was part one with Tate Seamer. Check out next week for part two where we talk about Tate's awesome podcast and his new mastermind.